Hello Curse Crew and welcome to Curse or Coincidence where each week we dive into famous curses from sports, movies and history to separate fact from fiction, mystery from history and ask, is it a curse <laughs> or is it just a coincidence? <laughs> I'm Nathan and with me as always is the beautiful believer Amy, how are you? I'm good, doing good, doing great. How are you? I'm good. I wish these fucking microphones would behave. <laughs> wow, we are like 15 seconds in and we're already dropping our phone. We're down to one. We're yeah. down to one microphone. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's just not our lot in life to have functioning technical equipment. Robert! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how's your how's your week been? Or hasn't it even been a full week since we last recorded? It hasn't, but we were so delayed that we figured we'd better record now before something else happens better fire fire the engine up fire up that content engine yeah i yeah. guess <laughs> uh, sure, sure why not sure <laughs> I, th- I think i lost the keys to my content engine a while ago <laughs> so as always we'll delve into a tale of a curse from sports entertainment or history we'll weigh the facts and the fiction and decide once and for all if it is a curse or if it's just a coincidence so In today's episode, we're going to talk about how a Native American shamanistic curse may have had a profound impact on the office of what many people believe to be the most powerful person in the world. So today, Amy, we're going to discuss the curse of Tippecanoe. You didn't even ask me if if I knew who it was. Well, that's what we can do that now. No, it's too late now. Ruined it. I was going to ask you. You didn't even give me a good guess. My very next question was going to be, have you heard of this curse before? No. No? Okay. So before we start, I would just need to provide a content warning. Oh, okay. As as is tradition. As is tradition. So in today's episode, we'll be talking about the stolen land and death of Indigenous Americans. Mm-hmm. We won't be dwelling on these facts for, for long, but they will briefly form part of today's story. So if, dear listener, if this... Subject matter is upsetting to you. We will see you next time. We will. And hopefully one day we will have an episode that just won't upset anyone. Nah. It's doubtful. It's but pro- we, pro- we live in hope. It's probably the week we get our first complaint. <laughs> All we have is our hopes. <laughs> uh, so the curse of Tippecanoe is known by many monikers, including Tecumseh's curse, the zero-year curse and the twenty-year curse. Okay, I think I'd prefer zero years than twenty. Yeah, if I had to choose. Well, it refers to a revenge curse that was placed on the U.S. government after the defeat and subsequent death of Native American leader Tecumseh by then Governor of Indiana General William Henry Harrison. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, a revenge curse placed on. The highest office in the land. Which at the time was the governor of Indiana. Well, we'll get into it. No, okay. it wasn't because you know, they've been presidents basically since America was a country, but we'll, we'll get into it. So in the wake of the 1809 Treaty of Fort Wayne, which saw 3 million acres of land <coughs> transferred from the Native Americans to the United States, let's call it what it is, mm. stolen. stolen. Uh, the Shawnee leader, Tecumseh, began a rise to prominence. Angry over the treaty's terms, he revived the idea that Native American land was owned in common by all of the tribes and could not be sold without each giving their consent. So it was like a his position was it has to be unanimous amongst all the tribes 
to purchase or transfer any land. Otherwise, no land can be transferred. That makes sense. Yeah. So he lacked the resources to directly confront the United States. But Tecumseh began a campaign of intimidation among the tribes to ensure that the treaty was not put into effect and worked to recruit Native Americans from other tribes into his cause. Okay. So while Tecumseh was endeavouring to build support, his brother, and I apologise if, uh, if I butcher this, Tenz Kwatawa, who was also known as the Prophet, so I might just call him the Prophet, that might make things a little bit easier, had begun a religious movie, which, uh, religious movement, <laughs> a religious movie, started watching Passion of the Christ. <laughs> he began a religious movement, which stressed a return to the old ways. Yep. Okay. So the prophet was, it was interesting. He was seen to have powers. Uh, he, he had one eye. So kind of a cool character in our, uh, in our story today. That's really funny. Not that he had one eye, but I literally just sent you a TikTok about a guy with one eye. You did. Not <laughs> 10 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. Was a sing along with me and <laughs> the only words he says is, I have one eye. Oh, anyway. anyway. This is an audio medium. It's not <laughs> going to translate well. But. No, no, it won't. So, based at Prophetstown, near the confluence of the Wabash and Tippecanoe Rivers, uh, he began garnering support from across the Old Northwest, and in 1810, Tecumseh met with the governor of the Indiana Territory, who was named General William Henry Harrison. I'm sure he was treated with all the respect that you would expect. I mean, you could just call him General Whitey Caucasian. <laughs> male, beige man. Male <laughs> uh, And that would have sufficed, yeah. So he met with him to demand that the treaty be declared illegitimate. Uh, so refusing these demands, Harrison stated that each tribe had the right to treat separately with the United States. It's a little bit of divide and conquer, I guess you could say. Yeah, but where, like, surely his reasoning doesn't stand up even to his own argument because surely they'd only be able to, if they're only, if every tribe can make their own decision, surely it's only for their own patch of land. I mean, if you want to bring it into uh, to modern day terms, to come say wanted collective bargaining. Yes. And... Uh, Harrison wanted to be able to... He was John to, Howard. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very Australian-only reference. That's a very Australian yeah. reference. Yeah. So Tecumseh began secretly accepting aid from the British in Canada and promised an alliance if hostilities broke out between Britain and the United States, which obviously they had before. Oh, there was some bad well. blood there. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and it was really it was really quite recent at this point. That's so. it, exactly. Yeah. So in August 1811, Tecumseh again met with Harrison at a place called Vincennes. Though promising that he and his brother, the Prophet, sought only peace, uh, Tecumseh departed unhappy and the Prophet began gathering forces at Prophetstown. So Tecumseh started travelling south and he began seeking assistance from what was known as the five civilised tribes of the southeast, which were the Cherokees, the Chickasaws, the Choctaws, the Creeks, and the Seminoles. And he encouraged them to join his confederacy against the United States. Most rejected his requests. Okay. Although his agitation and his intimidation ultimately led to a faction of the Creeks, which were known as the Red Sticks, commencing hostilities in 1813. 
So he did a bit of a tour around the kind of Ohio Valley region trying to recruit. And he got half of one of five. Doesn't even say half. It was like part of (laughs) some. Some is better than none. So. Do you know why? Sorry. Like what? Because for me, I'm thinking, well, yeah, like this makes sense. Let's band together and strengthen numbers. I didn't, I don't, I never studied US history in school and I'm sure you didn't either because we don't, we we don't, don't even don't. study Australian history. I mean, not, not much. The, not the, and up until recently, not the real history either. Uh, we got a very sanitized version of history yes. in, in school, but so I, I don't have like a, a good grasp on why and what the, the political tensions were and, and all of that sort of stuff and, 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 you know, any of that. But all I've really got is enough for us to get to the curse. Okay. So, <laughs> so if you could stop preventing us getting to the curse, please make with the curse. So again, the curse. In the wake of his meeting with Tecumseh, Harrison travelled to Kentucky on business and left his secretary, John Gibson, at Vincennes as the acting governor. So during this time, Gibson used his connections amongst Native Americans that he knew and had alliances with, and he soon learned that forces were gathering at Prophetstown. Gibson then sent letters to Harrison urging his immediate return, and by mid-September, Harrison had returned along with the uh, with elements of the 4th U.S. Infantry and support from the Madison administration to conduct a show of force in the region. I love how slowly all this is moving. Like, (laughs) he's like, yeah, could you just hold things down for a while? Like, you know, just take messages, anything urgent, I'll handle it when I get back. Off he goes to Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the secretary, who probably is just running down the clock, probably not getting paid any extra, no acting allowance, no nothing, hears whispers of mounting forces. Mm Mm-hmm. Has to send a letter. <laughs> Can't even ping an email or no. a friggin' Teams message. No. By no. mid-September. <laughs> it's just so funny to me on the, on the time scale. Like, how many crises have we all dealt with at work when our boss steps out of the office and it feels like a millennium until they're back? Mm. This is the reality yeah. for this secretary. Yeah. He's like, I am really sweating this out. <laughs> like, you promised me this was going to be easy. <laughs> you promised me that you would handle anything urgent when you came back. And now it's going to take eight to ten business weeks for you to return. Uh, you couldn't just jump on a quick Zoom call with Harrison. Yeah, exactly. Can we just have a chat? Can we look? This isn't our correspondence isn't really landing. Can we just get on a quick call to sort this out? No, no. You have to fucking gather an army and march like ten thousand miles to get back. Jump on a Zoomy pony and get over here. <laughs> so during the months of September and October, Harrison amassed an army numbering around a thousand men who were made up of local militia and regular infantry from the 4th, uh, that we talked about the 4th, the 4th US Infantry, and started moving north towards the Wabash River to meet the Native American army that was made up of 500 to 700 men. Okay, so, so they're a- not... they're It's not totally, totally unevenly matched. No, and this was sort of more of just like a skirmish rather than a... Um, yeah, a, a massive- it's more like a show of power on both sides. But also... I noticed you said militia and then... So even though, 
like the United States has been formed at this point. Mm. It sounds like it's still a little bit of a wild, wild west in terms of like, it's all a little bit separated still. Like there's not one armed forces. It's all like random. Am I making sense? Yeah. Is, is my train of thought making sense here? Like it's it's interesting that there's not really a united force. He's just picking up people from here, from there. I don't know. It's interesting. I think you've already sort of half figured out why that was probably the case, which was you couldn't just call in an airstrike or yeah. call in support and they'd arrive by plane or by boat yeah, or whatever. Yeah. It was, you had to kind of go down the countryside collecting people. That's sell, right. Selling your cause. Yeah, and, and not only that, you probably had those those thousand troops split out into smaller groups of like 50 to 100 acting as peacemakers, pe- peacekeepers. In their own in regions. In towns or regions or, yeah, absolutely. Now, so. call me stupid. Has the Civil War happened yet? Yes. The Civil War has happened. Actually, no, it has not. No, it hasn't. Okay. Sorry. So we're in this weird... So has has it become one United States yet then? Again, yours history. Oh, not my, God, not my strong suit. This. Sorry. I, I, I mean, if it hasn't by now, it certainly will have soon because... Did the US or... Did, they, did the Americans not declare independence in like the 16 or 1700s? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the Civil War, it's funny how we always, Australians always go, oh, Americans, they don't know anything outside their own world. And we're like being quizzed on it. We're trying to figure out US history. We're like, oh, on no the idea. Yeah. And this is definitely the time we want to figure it out midway through recording a podcast. So the Civil War was where the South was going to secede from the United States. Okay, so the Union was formed and yes. then they were like, no, we want Audis. That's right. Goodbye. Yeah. And amongst a plethora of other things that were happening around the time of the Civil War. Yeah. That we don't really have time to get into. Sure. But yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yep. Cool. 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 I cool, think cool. I'm with you. Okay. Great. So the Battle of Tippecanoe was fought on the 7th of November, 1811. As Tecumseh was away recruiting. So he was also on a, on a mission. There's just two traveling salesmen. And, hey. and the poor prophet was seconded at this point. <laughs> he was seconded. Yeah. No acting allowance. Yeah. You feel bad for the other guy. Uh, the prophet actually had to go fight a whole ass battle without his boss. It's always the way. Yeah. It's always <laughs> the way. always hits the fan when the boss is on holidays. Exactly. And it's like, who's doing the real work yeah. around here? It's always the second in charge. So the commander of the Native American forces did fall to his brother, the prophet, he cast spells to protect his warriors and then ordered his men to attack Harrison's army as it encamped along Burnett Creek. Now, we're not going to go into the detail of the Battle of Tippecanoe. You can find information about it online. It, as I said, it was a small skirmish, but what it actually set up was the rest of our story. Okay. And the reason why this was called the Curse of Tippecanoe mm-hmm. will, will, come, will become obvious in, in a little while. So, in the resulting Battle of Tippecanoe, Harrison's men were victorious and the Prophet's forces were shattered. And although the casualties were relatively low, I mean, any loss of life is tragic, but the Americans had 188 casualties, 62 were killed, and 126 were wounded. The Native Americans' records aren't 100% sure, but it's estimated between 100 and 130 were were casualties between 30 and 50 of those were killed and 70 to 80 were wounded 
Can I ask? Yeah. Is this hand-to-hand combat? Is it weapons? It's muskets. It's firearms. It's the lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, On both sides, they're both using the same kind of weapons? I don't know for sure, but I imagine that by this point they probably were. They were remembering that the Native American forces at this point were receiving support and funding from the the English that were stationed in Canada. That's right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, although the casualties were relatively low by comparison to things like the Civil War or or other large skirmishes. This is just a small, not even battle, right? But the defeat was a serious blow to to Tecumseh's efforts to build a confederacy against the United States, and the loss also severely damaged the Prophet's reputation of being kind of a... Well, none of those spells worked, obviously. Exactly, yeah, that's right. Thanks for nothing, Prophet. (laughs) So, the Prophet actually fled to Canada... Uh, and, Wise. Yeah. And Tecumseh re- remained an active threat until 1813 when he fell fighting against Harris's army at the Battle of the Thames, which is in Canada. When the prophet starts in London. Oh, God. <laughs> sure. Don't know if you know this, but. Uh, I know geography. <laughs> don't know if you know this, but, but colonizers have a habit of naming Just places. Just recycling yeah, names. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we live on. Charles Street, and I don't feel like that's identifying information because there are literally thousands of Charles Streets all over the world. We also live in New South Wales. Yeah. (laughs) So when the prophet heard the news of Tecumseh's demise, he allegedly placed a curse on the United States government. So he cursed the government. He wouldn't be the first, and he sure as shit wasn't the last. Yeah, damn government. So in 1840... The battle for Tippecanoe was popularized like federally in America during Harrison's successful campaign for the presidency with the song turned slogan Tippecanoe and Tyler too. So Tippecanoe referred to the battle of Tippecanoe yep. and Harrison had adopted the nickname Old Tippecanoe after his victory or Old Tipper. That's what he called himself. Right. Kind of his claim to fame. So right. he took on the name of the person that he defeated in battle. Not the person, the battle itself. But wasn't the battle named after the guy? No, the battle was named after the place that it was fought, at the Tippecanoe River. What the hell was the guy's name? Tecumseh. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, my... <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, That's okay. <laughs> it's late. So the reason the slogan was Tippecanoe and Tyler II, obviously the first part of that is referencing the Battle of Tippecanoe. Where it was. Where it was. Not the guy. <laughs> and the second part, and Tyler II referred to his running mate and future vice president, John Tyler. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, I'm so there. Okay. I am in... You're in, you're in the I zone. You know where we're at. 1811. 1840 we're in now. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm, I'll meet you in 1840. <laughs> I'm, I'm still in 1811. Okay, Doc. <laughs> Give me a couple of minutes to catch up. So, as I mentioned, Harrison w- ran for president on this platform or with this slogan and, and won. So... In 1841, during his 105-minute inaugural address, which happened to be outside on a cold, blustery March day. Wow, what fun for us. Yeah. Harrison refused to wear a coat or gloves. Okay. I'm starting to think that Harrison might be a little bit of a narcissist. You think so? I don't know. Just one or two hints. They also don't feel the cold. Well, yes, they do, because shortly after the speech, he fell ill and died on April 4th. 
1841, most likely from pneumonia. Pride. <laughs> Pride. From Pride. <laughs> from toxic masculinity. I, That's what he died from. I died from the... Um, <laughs> Was the consequences of my own actions? <laughs> oh no, if it isn't the consequences of my own actions. He was only in office for one month when he died. Far out. Go on on top. So this began a 120 year period where every year that was a multiple of 20 in which a president was elected, they would die in unexpected or tragic ways, often while still in office. Okay. You got that? No. Okay. I'm still in 1811, remember? You're in 1840. Mm. Yes, but mentally I'm in 1811. So bring yourself to 1840. Okay, just let me get the flux capacitor. Yep. When this gets to 88 miles per hour. (laughs) I used to work, sorry, side note, I used to work for an electronic components distributor like years ago. It was fucking boring as Mm. shit. And there was this new guy and he was like fielding all the inbound sales inquiries and he was like, trying to impress everyone and he was like doing like he was doing the most he was like going through catalogs he was like down in the warehouse we're like what are you doing bro he's like oh i got this inquiry through from a customer that i that i spoke to and i really want to help him out but like what are you looking for and he said a flux capacitor (laughs) (laughs) it's like when they send someone out to go and get like a shelf stretcher or like elbow grease yeah headlight fluid yeah yeah it was Tartan paint. <laughs> Dude, we did not stop laughing for like three fucking hours. This poor kid, he'd literally spent two full working days trying to locate a flux capacitor. I'm like, if you find it, can you let me know? Because there are a few places I want to go back to. So just so we're all clear, mm. let's just go, let's just run this formula down one more time. Let's recap. Let's recap. So from that time when old mate died of Cold hands. Which was, he was elected in 1840. Okay, which is. He died in 1841. So 40 is a multiple of 20. That's right. So every year that was a multiple of 20. Where an election happened. Where an election happened, the president died. The president who was elected on that multiple of 20 died at some point. Well, we all die at some point unexpectedly (laughs) and in a lot of cases tragically and in many cases while they were still in office. Okay, so multiples of 20, we're talking 20, 40, 60, 80. Yes. Is that correct? That's right. All right. So we're starting in 1840 with the death of, of Harrison. After Harrison, the next man to fall victim to the curse was in 1860. Okay. Multiple of 20. That checks out. Okay. So elected as the 16th president of the United States of America... He is widely regarded as the most well-known president in United States history. And now I'm going to let you have a guess. The most well-known? The most well-known. If you think American president. George Washington. Okay. Try again. (laughs) Was he not a president? He was a president. Abraham Lincoln. That's the one. Okay. Yeah. So Abraham Lincoln was voted in for his second term in 1860. And on April 14th, 1865, was assassinated by John Wilkes Booth. Okay, what was so he would have been elected for his first term four years prior to that. That's right. So not in a multiple of twenty. That's right. Okay. But he was elected again in eighteen sixty, which was a multiple of twenty. Assassinated. Okay, all right. In eighteen eighty, James Garfield was elected as the twentieth president of the United States, and fewer than four months after his inauguration. Garfield was seriously wounded in an assassination attempt and Garfield would go on to die of complications related to the gunshot wound 
on the 19th of September, 1881. Okay. 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 William McKinley was originally elected President of the United States in 1896. However, he won his second term in 1900. On September 6th of the following year, McKinley was assassinated by Leon F. Sholgosh. So all of them have been assassinated. So far? Yep. Yep. In 1920, William G. Harding was elected the 29th President of the United States. And on August 2nd, 1923, Harding had a stroke and died at the Palace Hotel in San Francisco, California. Don't ask me how old he was because I didn't look it up. (laughs) Great. (laughs) You know, this is all vital for my very thorough vetting process. Sure, sure. We can look it up at at the break before we get into count. I've already forgotten about it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt was originally elected president of the United States in 1933. You might think, hang on, that hang on, that doesn't work. I may not have done year twelve <laughs> level maths, but I don't think that the math is mathing. Mm. So he won his third term. Third term. They don't have. You can't have a third term as American president. Apparently, you can. Or at least Roosevelt did. Uh, he won his third term in 1940, and during his fourth term, Roosevelt died of a cerebral hemorrhage on the 12th of April 1945. That one, I think we really do need to look up because I'm so confused because I'm positive that an American president can only serve two consecutive terms. That is 100% true. The only thing I'm, if you look at the timing here, 1933 through to 1945, what major historical thing was happening during that oh, time? World War II. World War II. It might have had something to do with that. You know what? It might have been an amendment because you can <laughs> cha- you can change the constitution. That's why it's called a fucking amendment. (laughs) Thank you, Jim Jeffries. (laughs) So the final victim of the curse of Tippecanoe was a man who has been at the epicenter of numerous conspiracies and supposed curses. Do I have to say who I'm talking about? Woodrow Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Woody. Get in there, Woodrow. So in 1960, John F. Kennedy was elected the 35th president of the United States. Of course. And on November 22nd, 1963, he was assassinated by Lee Harvey Oswald in Dallas, Texas. I recall. You were there. Yes. With your flux capacitor. Oh, you were flux capacitor. You were there. God, can't even pronounce (laughs) flux capacitor right. What would you know about time travel? Not much. Me either. (laughs) (laughs) So... This isn't part of the curse, but I just want to take a quick side quest. Oh, you know I love a side quest. You do, yeah. Let's go, let's go. And I don't know when we're ever going to get an opportunity to talk about this again, so I'm going to talk about it now, which is the eerie similarities between the Lincoln and the Kennedy assassination. Since they're both kind of characters in this episode, I figured, hey, why not? Let's talk about this now. Because I don't know, it's not cursey, but it's... Interesting. It's interesting and, and, and eerie. This is what we like to do. We just like to wade through the interesting points of Yeah. We have sometimes a very faintly dotted line to a curse, but <laughs> you know, we find a way to make it work. Absolutely. We lose ourselves in the middle there, but we always find our way back. All right. Are you ready for some weirdness? I'm so ready. Okay. I'm so I don't know if you could tell, but I'm so ready. <laughs> so the words Lincoln and Kennedy both have seven letters. Ooh, and it's a magic number. <laughs> Both presidents were elected to Congress in 46 and later to the presidency in 60. 
Okay. One in 1846. Obviously. One yeah, in yeah, yeah. So on and so forth. Both assassins, John Wilkes Booth and Lee Harvey Oswald, were born in 39 of their respective centuries. And they have three names. And those three names are both composed of 15 letters each. Oh. Yep. All right. Booth ran from a theatre and was caught in a warehouse. Oswald ran from a warehouse and was caught in a theatre. No way! I was going to say that to be funny. Uh, the assassins were both Southerners. Okay. Which, that, All right. that doesn't, yeah. Okay. <laughs> tracks. Move on, move on. Uh, both of the president's successors were named Johnson and yeah. both born in 08 of their respective centru- uh, centuries. Wow. Both Lincoln and Kennedy were particularly concerned with civil rights and made their views strongly known. Yep. Again, two points ago on that point. Maybe linked, who knows. Both presidents were shot in the head on a Friday. Oh, used to be my favourite day of the week. Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy who told him not to go to Ford's theatre. <gasps> Maybe he had the flux capacitator. Maybe. And Kennedy had a secretary named Evelyn Lincoln who warned him not to go to Dallas. So Kennedy had a secretary named Lincoln. Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy, both of which told them to not go to their final places. Yeah. Place. Wow. Yep. I'm. My brain's melting, bro. In uh, in true cursal coincidence uh, fashion, I do have to call out that one of those points is disputed, which is Lincoln's secretary may or may not have been called Kennedy. But Aww. from what I saw online, it is. Both Oswald and Booth were both assassinated before they could be put on trial as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, sure. <laughs> <laughs> They've just shot the president in the head. Yeah. Like, it's. It's going to happen, you know? Sure. So the last two men that fall into this curse, although experiencing their own brushes with death while in office, are credited with breaking the curse. So Ronald Reagan took office in 1980, Mm -hmm. and he was shot by John Hinckley on March 30th, 1981. When he was shot, the assassin's bullet lodged into Reagan's chest. Reagan, not Reagan. Reagan. (laughs) Reagan Reaganomics, baby. Uh, So it, it hit... Reagan in the chest, missing his heart by mere inches. Wow. However, he recovered from his injuries and survived the attack. This was believed to have happened, as in him recovering, because Nancy believed in the curse and she, Nancy Reagan, that is, Ronald's wife, she believed in the curse and she hired powerful psychics to fight off the curse. Nice. That was good enough for the first lady. Good enough for you. Good enough for me. Uh, George W. Bush, who was elected in uh, 2000, survived two failed assassination attempts while in office, including an event where a man lobbed a grenade at him that failed to explode. I actually didn't know that until I started researching this. You also pronounced it wrong. It's George. W. 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 <laughs> and how, what was the second attempt? Uh, j- a, sh- a shooting, I think. Yeah. Can we go on a, s- a little other side quest? Sure. Sorry, very side questy today. Just interesting to me that really and and you're only speaking about people related to the curse but being potentially assassinated is like high level part of the job to be the american president which is wild to me when we get into counterpoints i'm going to illustrate exactly how much of part of the job it is especially for some presidents more than others that's a little that's just a little teaser for later do you know i it's so funny though because this is 
I don't think I have spoken about John Howard in like 16 years. And I'm now going to mention him for a second time in this very podcast. Yeah. By comparison, in Australia, I don't think we've ever had a assassination attempt on a sitting prime minister. I believe there was an assassin- assassination attempt attempt on a member of parliament like in like the 30s or the 40s never to my knowledge had um an attempted assassination we did have harold holt who was uh taken by a russian submarine (laughs) (laughs) didn't he just go for a walk into the ocean (laughs) yeah uh but you never heard that conspiracy i've never heard that before what we do know for sure about harold holt is that he Probably drowned to death, and there are multiple swimming pools in this country named after him, which is just the ultimate irony. But I digress from my digression. In the so John Howard was um he served for about 12 years. About that, yeah. He was the Prime Minister and he lived in Canberra, which is Australia's capital for anyone who doesn't live here. Even people who do live here, Canberra is Australia's capital, just so you know. Yep. It's not Sydney or Melbourne. It's not. Um so John Howard, he was really well known for every morning he'd go on a walk, he'd go on a power walk and he would have like one, maybe two like security. Yeah. And it was kind of like his walking route in Canberra was really well known and like people, flogs obviously would like go and like have a little run with John Howard and like, you know, they'd be like, yeah, I just ran with the prime minister. It's like, cool. One time there was a satirical, um, I remember this. a satirical show called The Chaser, and they basically just used to they were like political satirists, so they used to satire a lot of stuff in the in the political landscape at that time, and they wanted to know exactly what they would have to do to get John Howard's security to like react. So they approached him multiple, multiple times with cameras, with whatever, whatever. Nothing ever happened. They approached him with a screwdriver. They hugged him and held it quite close to his neck. Security did nothing. <laughs> Security did not step in until they approached him with a working operational chainsaw. <laughs> that is what it took for his security to step in. So I just want to draw a very funny comparison to me about the difference, like le- threat levels against leaders in Australia versus leaders in America. It's a bit of a more more of a laid back approach to security we have in Australia. I don't know if you've been through um, American. Like customs I sure at the have. airport. My God. I sure have. Very, very different. Yeah. Whole different Try going through American customs when you've got a, a stamp from Beijing in your passport. Yeah, I bet that I was, was borderline detained. <laughs> yeah. I just, I can't ever stop laughing at the image of John Howard in his swishy tracksuit, just like whoosh, 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 walking along. And then the guy from the chase is like, <laughs> anyway, please keep going. I'm so sorry. So. As we've just learned, the, the last two presidents that were elected in 2000 and, and, and 1980, respectively, uh, generally seem to, seem to have broken this curse. However, the most recent candidate to potentially be a target for the curse was elected in 2020. So hmm. we did have an election in 2020. Who was that again? I don't... He, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm racking my brain. He, he was a... He must have like really flown under the radar, didn't really cause many issues. So you're thinking of Donald Trump, who was elected in 2016. Joe Biden was elected in 2020. I know COVID feel like it got oh. it went for like <laughs> 200 years. There goes my joke. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, Fuck yeah, he was elected he, in 2016. And it's probably worth noting that Joe Biden is the oldest president in United States history. Oh yeah, and it shows. 
It, it, it certainly does. <laughs> or Weekend at Bernie's Joe. <laughs> Weekend at Biden's. Weekend at Biden's. So that's the that's the curse of Tippecanoe or Tecumseh's curse or the 20-year curse or the zero-year curse. Okay. So I have some counterpoints for you. Yeah. Would you like to go into them now or would you like to take a break? Maybe a little break. Okay, we can take a because break. Because obviously I'm just on a vibe and I want to try and get nice and serious for the actual only part of like intelligent contribution that I'm likely to make throughout this whole episode. She's in a silly goofy mood. <laughs> I am a silly sausage today. <laughs> so we'll be back shortly with some counterpoints. And we are back. Yo. So during the break, I did a little bit of research into uh, Franklin Roosevelt, the president who served four, four terms. Yep. So yep. you did your Googles. I did my Googles. So prior to... Roosevelt, there was no, there was nothing in the constitution that meant a president could not run for, that there were no term limits. Right. Okay. So Roosevelt agreed to run for a third and fourth term uh, because of, he was seen as a steady hand through the the Great Depression and World War Two. Yeah, I get that. Towards the end of his 1944 presidential race, the New York governor at the time, Thomas Dewey, said four terms or 16 years is the most dangerous threat out to our freedom ever proposed. Don't move to Australia. <laughs> and uh, he supported the passage of an amendment that would limit future presidents to two terms. This is the 22nd Amendment of the Constitution. <laughs> Called a fucking so you, amendment. So you can do it. <laughs> just, just so you know. Uh, so the sec- 22nd Amendment was passed in 1947 and then ratified in 1951. Very interesting. Yeah. Honestly, like I, I know I'm being facetious, but like in our in our system, and I think in the UK as well, there are no term limits. There are no term limits. And I guess with the UK, I mean, they had Winston Churchill literally for friggin' decades. Yeah, yeah. We have had multiple like prime ministers who've served over a decade. Yeah, Bob Hawke did. Um, I think didn't did he? Menzies. I think he Menzies did, as well. did yep. like sixteen or yep. something years. Yep. Like and John Howard, Howard as did, he said, 12. did twelve. Yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, okay. So I'm thirty three. Mm. In my lifetime, when I when I turned eighteen and I could start voting, I had only known two prime ministers. Yeah, we've had about twenty since then. Yeah, because well, they keep knifing we, each we other. We did get into a bit of. A, we started making up for lost time, and yeah. we we started having about one every six months. Yeah, that, that for was, a while. That was that was a fun time. Things have settled. <laughs> Things have settled somewhat. Yeah. But there's still there are no there are no rules on. There's no term limits, it's, and the, there's no rules on prime ministers being replaced by their party as well no that can, that can having said that we do have a different political system in australia where you elect a uh you elect a local member and then they are part of a party and the leader of the party becomes the prime minister yeah ultimately you're not voting for there's no popular vote yeah that's right so it's yeah. a bit of a different system yeah it is yeah but yeah so with that said uh i'm gonna hit you with some counterpoints i don't have many but i have some 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 interesting ones so as you, I think, alluded to while we were talking about the curse itself, America has a history of assassination attempts on its elected presidents. Uh, in addition to the incidents that we've already discussed, here is a quick list of the other assassination attempts that have been conducted. Are you ready for this? Is it going to just rapidly run up the screen like it? <laughs> yeah, it's like, we, would, we want to make the following apologies. <laughs> 
And Burt Reynolds is a robot. <laughs> so Theodore Roosevelt in 1912. This one, I've got, I said a quick list, but this just had to be said. He was shot, but the bullet was slowed by a, the folded up speech notes in his breast pocket. The speech was called Progressive Cause Greater Than Any Individual. Even though he knew he'd been shot, because he was a hunter, he knew that it wasn't a fatal wound. Right. He continued to speak for over 80 minutes before seeking medical attention. Jesus Christ. Teddy Roosevelt, you're a fucking G. Was he the one with polio? Ooh. Yes, I think he was. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, he's he's tough. Yeah. He's tough. Yeah, absolutely. Built different. Greatest generation. <laughs> <laughs> we salute you. So, Theodore Roosevelt in 1912. Andrew Jackson in 1835. Before actually being killed, Abraham Lincoln, there was attempts in 1861 and 1864. I mean, that would be enough for you to give it up, right? Retire. Yeah. Just retire at that point. You know what? I'm going to... Getting away from two assassination attempts, I'm probably going to choose a different career path. Yeah. Ah, they got me on the third one. (laughs) Um, William Howard Taft in 1909. Herbert Hoover in 1928. Franklin D. Roosevelt in 1933. Harry Truman in 47 and 1950. John F. Kennedy in 1960. So there was an assassination attempt before the successful one. Gosh. Richard Nixon twice in 1972 and again in 1974. Oh, God. Gerald Ford twice in 1975. George H.W. Bush. Uh, so that was... Senior. Senior yeah. in 1993. Bill Clinton four times in 1994. <laughs> Once in 1996 and again in 2018, although the likely target for this particular attack in 2018 was more likely Hillary than it was Bill. I mean, we all know how Slippery Willy likes to <laughs> slip Willy. Good old Slick Willy. Uh, George W. Bush in 2005 and 2022 that we talked about. With the highest number of recorded assassination attempts, bet you can't guess. Oh, Barry O. Really? Yeah. I mean, what makes him different to any other president that America has ever had? I cannot. Nothing springs to mind. So, 2008, 2009, 2011, twice in 2012, 2013, and 2018 in the same series of attacks that happened in the Bill Hillary attempts. And this is why former American presidents are assigned security detail for Mm. the rest of their lives. Yes. Malcolm Turnbull was the prime minister of the country and was literally on the bus from the eastern suburbs the next week. I was going to say, I could literally go and knock on Malcolm Turnbull's door. Quite literally. Yeah. Quite literally. If you went down to um, Westfield Miranda on a Saturday, you'd probably find Scott Morrison down there. Probably. (laughs) Buying some Sharky's gear for the game. And finally, Donald Trump twice in 2017. Oh, that was him just cleaning his own gun. (laughs) So... The curse itself has been criticised as a coincidental pattern and a 2009 study or survey of professional historians found no interest in or insight into the curse. Those are the two counterpoints I have for you. Okay. And just to backtrack a little bit, we're saying that what broke the curse was a psychic? Did you have much more detail well, about that? No, not so much the psychic. The, the The belief is that because when Ronald Reagan survived the assassination attempt and lived out his years without any further incident, that was kind of seen as the end of the curse. But 
what is believed is that the reason that he survived the curse was because Nancy Reagan employed powerful psychics. As opposed to, to those unpowerful ones. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Not yeah. that she didn't get one of those, like, um, what are they called? Zoltan machines, like in the movie Big. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, not today. <laughs> so that's uh, that's it. That's the that's the Curse of Tippecanoe and a couple of counterpoints. So, Amy, I am going to hand over to you. The Curse of Tippecanoe. Is it truly a curse or is it just a coincidence? <sighs> Look... I am never one ever to dispute curses in cultures with which I'm not familiar mm-hmm. ever. Yep. Um, particularly when it comes to like, you know, people, there's so many ancient cultures that have lore and myth and legend and stuff that like, we just have no concept of. Yep. And I know, like, in Australia, like, our First Nations Indigenous people have so much connection to land and there's so – we've spoken previously in episodes about, um, you know, different things that uh, have happened when people mess around with, um, you know, sacred sites and things like that. Um, I think that's very powerful, honestly. Mm -hmm. I think that there is a lot of, like, power in that and I think that um, there are certainly – a lot of compelling things to explore in that space. What gets me is that even the prophet's own people didn't really kind of get into his particular branch of power or, or curse or, you know, magic or I don't want to call it magic. That makes it sound like it's not sure. real. Magic isn't real, right? <laughs> but like it, you know, they didn't really get behind him in terms of his power as a, um, as a mystic or like whatever. Well, I think initially they did, and then well, on the first hurdle, he fell. Yes. So yeah. it's like you know, I'm not saying that that power didn't exist in general, but maybe he didn't have it. Maybe it wasn't harnessed within him, and. So maybe he was a false prophet. He might have been a false <laughs> prophet. Again, wouldn't be the first. It wasn't the first, wouldn't be the last. Um, I also think that apart with the outlier of like the stroke, most of those were assassinations and likely yep. very quickly came to discover uh, that is neither curse nor coincidence. That's just what you sign up for when you become the president it's, of the United States. It certainly seems like that, yeah. Um, which is a whole other friggin issue in itself Mm. but like again we're not going to deal with that um so yeah i think that on this one i'm i don't doubt the here's what i don't doubt i don't doubt the connection that um the prophet and um oh god remind me of how to say to come say to come say i don't deny i don't deny the like connection they had to their land um or the fact that there was probably some cultural stuff around, um, you know, sacred sites and and obviously the colonisers were doing what the colonisers do. Mm-hmm. and White people going to white people. 100%. And obviously no regard for that, you know, ongoing connection and caretaking of land. Story repeated all over the world, copy-paste into every friggin' colonised country on earth. A tale as old as time. <laughs> Stealing all your land. (laughs) 
so I'm not, I, I want to make it very clear. I don't have any doubt in my mind that such a thing would be possible. Mm. I don't know that Tecumseh and his brother were the real deal. I don't know that they had harnessed any of that particular power. I'm not quite sure that they were, that he was able to put that curse on because the first doubters were his own people. Sure. And they would have known what was up, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's important to make the distinction here that Tecumseh never had claim to any kind of shamanistic powers or prophecy. It was very much his brother sure. that was seen with that cult of religion or cult of personality. Tecumseh was actually a, a very gifted general, politician, warrior, all yep. of those things. Okay, cool. Yeah. So the point remains that in this particular case, which is very unusual for me given the subject matter, but I'm probably going to go coincidence. Okay. But also... Very, very, very deep highlight. Is it a coincidence or is it just a predetermined destiny when you are the president? <laughs> of a country that loves guns. And with that, I shall conclude. <laughs> well, that'll do it for, for this week. Uh, Amy, what did you think of our story today? Very interesting. Yeah. Um, I, you know what, all jokes aside, I do feel a little bit... Um, not ashamed, but like a little bit uneducated on American history in general. Um, And I think that no disrespect, obviously we do know that people from America do listen. So absolutely no disrespect and um, feel free to educate us and we will educate ourselves a little bit more. Um, We'll educate ourselves through continuing to learn about curses in America. That's the best way to learn history, right? Yes. yes. (laughs) Make it interesting. Absolutely. Uh, But yeah, no, it was really interesting and something different. I don't think we've covered anything like that in a while yeah good to mix it up good to get back to our cursed roots where there actually is a curse yeah we've been living in the entertainment space a little bit lately and then we kind of went fully off track in the last episode Mm. so it was good to get back great excellent well you can follow us on instagram and tiktok if you search for the handle all one word that cursed pod Please, if you have time uh, and if you have the inclination, leave us a review on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And until next week, stay cursed. Bye, everyone.